On first meeting Amy, you cannot help but be struck by one thing, her energy. She is loud, fast-paced and fun. Her infectious positivity dominates any room she walks into and with her wide-eyed excitement, you often can't help but smile, give in and be whisked away to wherever the night might lead. But there is so much more to her character than simply her energy. Get to know her a little more and you'll soon see the depth of her personality. She navigates life wisely, knowing when to treat a tricky situation sensitively and when to say tough shit, that's life. Amy, welcome to Extraordinary Ordinary People and thank you for being here. That was so touching. Thank you. I'm glad we're off to a good, off to a good start. Now it's worth saying we are recording this from a rooftop terrace of your house yeah. in Sydney at sunset with a beer. As I said, providing positive energy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is already my favourite episode and we haven't started. We're doing the most Sydney thing we've done for some time. Yeah. So we're, we're off to a beautiful start. Now, uh, I must say before starting this, I, I almost felt guilty going into this. I, I never expect these to be fun because the subject matter is not fun. But with you, and there's no pressure, but I have no doubt that at some point it will be funny, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at some point... Good. The wheels will come off, Good. I reckon, and we will end up in a weird place. So I'm sort of looking forward to this, which I feel like I sh I, I'm not allowed to, but I, I am feeling that way. Now, I usually like to tackle things chronologically uh, when going through these, but I guess for this one, it's a little different to any other episode I've recorded in the past. Whereas I usually interview guests who have lost a parent at a young age, either suddenly or from a long drawn out illness, you find yourself somewhere in the middle of that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your dad? and uh, how the last few months have played out for you. Yeah, um, I guess, yeah, it's a weird one, and especially obviously for a pro like, like podcast like this, because one thing I've actually learned only in the last couple of weeks is that you're, you're allowed to mourn a loss that's still around. And I don't, mean that in a, I don't mean that in a dark way. I mean, because you kind of don't know where to feel feel when you're kind of in the midst of it sometimes because you don't want to feel like you're anticipating or waiting for something but then someone's just given you news that because as kids you're never told you never ever ever in your life have pictured a time without your fa family and parents around so when you hear the news of your dad's got cancer your dad's got stage four cancer for the first time ever in your life you've had to picture a moment where no longer he may be around <laughs> so you and you don't no one knows how to deal with that information so you and then you're like but he's around he's still around and so you're trying to make yourself feel upbeat about those situations but then, then there's like this little shadow overcasting going but then how long is he going to be around and all this stuff so you're kind of dealing with a and only by meeting someone who told me she said you're mourning a loss and that hasn't happened yet and you're allowed to mourn something that's still around and I thought actually like she almost like gave me the right to go okay yeah I'm allowed to be upset now and again but the truth be told even if I want to try which made me happy you saying right now that you'll end up laughing because to be honest whilst it's been the most hardest information for me and my family to hear no one has taken it like a baller as much as my dad has yeah, yeah. <laughs> he um He's someone who he got so we found out um, November 2018, yep. and um, my dad got told the news and he just didn't know how to handle the information and to the point none of us really, none of us spoke about it to each other. What like, does what does stage four actually mean? 
Well, so, good question. Good, 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 good question, because someone who lives the lifestyle my dad is living and has lived since he's found out should not have stage four. Yeah. I, and even though like the doctors tell us it is, it's like, but no, then when you think of stage four, you think, yeah, you think someone's like literally on their deathbed to, to put it harshly, sorry to say that, but the man, last time I was back in Madrid, we went clubbing and we were dancing till four o'clock in the morning and he was the most pissed out of all of us and loving life and everyone was like turning around going like, isn't he, isn't he quite an unwell man? And we were like, yeah, you'll never know. Like, And I think that's one thing that he's actually taught all of us is like you are actually generally only as ill as you make yourself believe like you can't underestimate the power of your mental state and he still is working as much as he is and I don't know like when he found out the first thing he said to us because my dad used to play he used to be he's an ex-footballer and um, he used to play for Liverpool back in the day and he kind of was very quiet and he turned around to us and he was like do you know what I've just been told this information and whilst I may be in the match and I may be losing 3-0 I've got the best players backing me on the bench and I can still win this match <laughs> and we just were like yeah and he looked at me and he was like you'll never walk alone oh my god and we just all just like just like nuts. yeah so we just like oh my god and I don't know I think like you just you know being that competitive in life like he's like with his what he's done as a profession he's so competitive and he's had to be a com he's been in competition since he was 15 he ha he's taken this as a co competition and he's like you know you're not going to bring me down I'm going to still carry on and persevere and actually be the better version of myself and I'm going to do the best I can and that competition strike has like brought up in him and I know it's been quite admiring watching it in the sidelines it has been kind of watching a football match if you're a football fan like mm. watching him seeing how he's been dealing with it every process of the way um, but yeah, it's been inspirational. Yeah, have to say. What have the doctors effectively told him over the course of it? You know, in terms of what your chances are, or how long you've got, or these are the test results, or whatever it is. What has been the journey from the doctor's side of things? So initially, he was um, when we first found out he was stage two, and then um, they put him on this new medication, immunotherapia. Sorry, my family's in Spain. I don't actually know immunotherapy. I think it is in English, and um, and that was told that that was going to cure him ninety percent, like ninety percent chance. Um, sadly, it didn't. So. Um, he's moved on to stage four and now he's he basically is a bit of a guinea pig trying new medications uh, for melanoma because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the medication there's not a cure to cancer yet or well there's not a cure to melanoma yet and um, unfortunately it's spread interiorly now so he's trying medications and they've told him that eventually his the medication that he's on eventually will his body will uh, adapt as our bodies do and then when that stage happens there's not currently anything on the market so hearing that and now especially because we're a year and a half in um, and as you know I told you that we had the latest um, test results recently and I today think we were today was results so, yeah <laughs> and we were bricking it because we knew it's been a year and a bit now so what does that mean but I mean, and and also he decided to go out on a complete bender the night before. Yeah, we need to touch. We need to touch. Let's touch quickly <laughs> on the on the text message conversation that we had today about this. <laughs> so I asked you, should we do this interview? Today's a Wednesday. You said we should do it on the Wednesday. Actually, significant day, test result day for dads. Yeah. 
So I asked this morning, <laughs> how's he doing? And the answer was, he's laughing. Dad went out last night because he was panicking and he went on a day, on a, he went on a bender before the test came in. Came out with flying colours. The doctor's like, you're a bloody miracle. He's the luckiest man on the planet. Gin and tonic solves it all. Basically, he thinks that his results will be mixed up with someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, and he, oh, he says that the whole time. He's like, God, he's like, and he speaks to his doctors. He's like, do you not feel sorry for the poor bugger that is out there right now? That has no idea he's got melanoma because I'm fucking fine. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, um, and that's, and the thing is though, like, you think like he's just joking about it, but then you see him and the way that he's been living his life and like, my dad said something quite beautiful because obviously we were very down when we heard of the information and we didn't really know how to, no one knows how to process that. And I for sure hell didn't. My brother and my dad, my brother and my mum are a lot colder sounds negative and I don't mean it, but my dad and I both very much wear the, our hearts on our sleeves. So if we're a bit of a wreck, you know about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Liam and my mum very like, okay, well this is the information and we're just gonna move on with it. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and I was just like, I can't, I, I need to cry. I need to sit, I need to talk about it. I need to like be a mess. And my dad turned around and he called me up and he was like, I've just realised something. I was like, what? He said, science spoke. I was like, okay. <laughs> Please continue. And um, he was like, but I, I, didn't, I didn't get heard. He was like, I haven't been heard. Science spoke and they told me something about my body. But suddenly I've suddenly realised I can speak and I can, I can be the one who chooses how to live my life and mm. I can take the reins. And he, and he really, that really empowered him, that realisation. And I know that sounds almost like the obvious, but like... You could tell it just clicked for him and yeah. suddenly he went actually i'm gonna now make a mockery out of this which he yeah, kind of has yeah, exactly and he and watching it and honestly it's just been so inspirational because he decided he was really scared about didn't like he's very much in the public eye in spain and um and i remember what well, i found oh, me and funny enough my family we hadn't spoken about it I spoke about it with my mother, my mother loosely, but my brother and I didn't speak about it because I, we both know how different we handle things. And I didn't want, I don't know why, we just didn't talk. And it was something like, it was like that elephant in the room where we go, yeah. I knew he was just going to tell me, yeah, it is. So we've just got to move on. I didn't want to yeah, hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just didn't talk about it. And then I, by, by nature, we didn't speak to other people about it. But dad decided without telling us that he was going to press about it. So that's how my friends and people found out. Yeah. Um, suddenly it was on the news and stuff and um, I'm getting calls left, right and centre from everyone in the world. Everyone. People mm. that I also like to be honest, like, I'm like, where have you come from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ex-boyfriends that I thought we'd left that place, place <laughs> way behind. I don't want to have a chit-chat. Um, and that suddenly I was like, oh my God. Like, that was hard. Like having people who you don't and you that's that's when you realize you're actually then putting and because it, people don't realize i think sometimes every time you receive a message of telling you how sorry they are mm. for you and how horrendous the news is and how given the positivity that my family or my dad and i kind of put that light on it yeah. you then relive the sadness all over again you relive the information you've just been told and it was so overwhelming because it was I, I mean when I say hundreds of people coming through or like which sounds horrible because it was only beautiful messages it was so overwhelming yeah. and I was like dad you prick yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like you could have given us a warning that we were going to find out through the thing press like 
And whilst it was shit for me and my mum and brother, I just saw a man lift. He suddenly felt the love of a nation. Yeah, yeah I remember you telling me that he loved the fact he'd gone, to, like he loved the yeah. support that he got out of being someone who's in the public eye and going to the press. And then it was just this, he the world is on your side. Yes, it really response. was. Like, there were people, like, even outside of Spain that were Spanish people living in the UK. We were in London at Christmas, and Dad and I and my mum and dad, brother were having cocktails in the Gore Hotel. And brother, my brother and I were like, let's just pop outside for a little chit-chat. And while we were outside, the bartender followed us outside, and he said, can I please just give you a hug? And we were like, sorry? And he was like, your dad's going to make it. Like, don't worry, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And I was like, we're in London. Like, I, like, and the people, like, Spanish people are so open and they've got so this beautiful culture of, like, we're all family. Yeah. And, and everywhere he went, like, I know I was like, everyone was like, Animal Michael and stuff. And, like, even uh, Caddy's Football Club that my dad once owned a long time ago, when the, when the news went out, all the caddies football players came on the football match wearing t-shirts going anymore Mike and, oh. and I was just like you know that's when you have a gulp in your yeah, throat and you yeah. go god humanity is beautiful and yeah. through the tragedy of all of it you know things that came from the information and seeing that level of love like as my dad like also said he was like it's very rare that one person in their life can feel that level of love mm. and that much impact. And for me also, I was so proud of him because I was like, you've left such an imprint on so many people's lives to have that lift that you deserve that even though it's a horrible information, if you were to go now, you know you made yeah, an impact. True. And for me as a daughter, that's, that's good enough for me. I guess it's sort of like, you know, have you, I don't know if I, I'm the only person that does this, but I doubt it. And you have this dark thought of imagining your own funeral and who would come <laughs> and the support and love and adulation that would be pouring out we'll your own funeral. We'll find God and be there. Yeah, exactly. We'll find be there. I hope so. I'll be at hers. And you go, if you have a sickness like this and you tell thousands of people like he did through the press, then you get, you know, you get that yeah. during your lifetime. Everyone pours out love and yeah. you're our hero and tells beautiful stories about you yeah. and hugs your kids in the street. <laughs> so I guess it's sort of like, it's sort you're of like that. Your sort of, yeah, you're, you're yeah, present. Probably. Anyway, before we get into people's um, reactions to the news, let's, let's uh, set the scene. So yeah, despite your accent, you actually grew up in Spain. Yes. Um, yeah, your dad, as you said, was a footballer and now commentator and sports journalist or all the rest of it, I imagine. Yeah. Um, what was your relationship with like, sorry, what was your relationship with him like growing up and your relationship sort of generally with your family? You know, were you, were you tight knit? Um, we definitely are now. Mm -hmm. uh, I think growing up, um, dad worked a lot. So he, he was as, around as much as he could have been, but through the nature of his job, he was always playing football and he was, a, he wasn't, I think also my dad, like I love him to, pieces he didn't know how to be a dad mm -hmm. and he actually like I'm not saying that in a harsh way he openly admits we have a laugh about it now we became closer when I got to an age I could drink and go out with him and yeah. have because we're like best friends now and I think my dad is great at being a best mate but he just doesn't know how to be a dad yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my brother almost was more paternal than um, my brother was the one like what's no, the age difference seven years okay yeah. big age gap when you're seven and 14 yeah. or like 10 and 17 I was not allowed to see any male. Sure. Um, I was not allowed to wear a skirt. I, <laughs> I mean, Liam just would, if he was 
hard. <laughs> uh, having a baby sister. He's got a daughter now, so now I feel a bit more sorry for the daughter. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's in big trouble. Oh, uh, yeah. So she's never going to be able to go near a man. She's a tomboy. Whatever whatever she, her interest, yeah. she's forced into it. <laughs> it's funny. I was such a tomboy growing up. Such a tomboy. I, I like, And I think it is because my brother made sure that I just basically stayed hanging out with him and his friends. And... Um, my my mum's my mum's been my my everything. My mum and I are best friends. I'm very very lucky with the relationship I have with my mum. She's she's a tough cookie, um, but she's my inspiration for everything. And I think she, hopefully, she knows that. Mm. Um, my dad's they're so different. They're so 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 different. My mum is someone she's quite strict. She's quite strong. She can be quite cold and. She just knows, but she but she's the one who keeps the family <laughs> together. She's, and she's the heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 like if it, if it was up to my dad, we'd all be under a bridge. Like so, <laughs> and he knows that. Um, so I think we became closer when, because I think that like, sounds sad. I don't mean it in a, in a harsh way. Like we're all just a bunch of pissheads in my family. Like we just all love a good drink out, like, having dinner, and when we start chatting, we all get these deep chats, and we're all but throwing jokes at our front and centre. So we really formed as a family as me and Liam have got a lot older. Yeah. Um, growing up, as I said, I just don't think... Um, my mum basically was the one keeping us together and my dad was always working. So I don't feel like I really like got to have the relationship I do now with my dad until I was about 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder if there's ever a moment when you realise that your parents are just normal humans. You know, like yeah. I think growing up, they're aliens. Like they're they're your parents. They yeah. they know everything and they do everything right. And then for a lot of people, I think there's like one clear day, like ah, oh, like yeah. they make mistakes. Yeah. Um, was there a moment like that with your dad? Was there a moment you're like, oh, he's just a, a pisshead, like like the rest yeah, of us? Yeah, right? I think yeah, there was. Um, there definitely was. I think realizing that they're just human and they can mess up too, <laughs> and. As I said, because my dad wears his heart on his sleeve he he's, is someone who he's just so clumsy and he has messed up but you also see the just pure remorse in his eyes and because there's a lot of people that I think we all as humans mess up there's very few I think I always I always make a judgment on someone not because of what how bad they've messed up but actually how much they can come to the table to admit they were wrong and yeah. say they're sorry because we all mess up, but not everyone says they're sorry. For sure, yeah, yeah. And and I love my mum to pieces, but I always wind her up going like, you messed up, say sorry. Like, whereas my dad will come to the table if he's even done a slight fuck up or whatever and just be like, I am so genuinely sorry. Yeah. And I think when, when he came to me and like admitted how like sorry he felt about everything, I was like, God, yeah, you know, you're allowed to mess up too. Like, mm. so you do have a, you do have moments, moments obviously in your life where you realise your parents are just human. But I think that's exactly also the same thing of when we heard this information, for they were always going to be around, then you realise one day they're not. Yeah. And I think like it sounds a bit of a cliche to say like, then you go, I didn't have that moment of like, oh, like, I always hear everyone go, you start realising now you've got to appreciate life. Yeah. Like I didn't have that. I do feel like we did appreciate life and we've made an effort from it. But you do just suddenly realise like, how um, how easily life can just slip, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not to say I don't even know like how I'm trying to explain it. I think 
it just really hit home that I was like, there's going to be a time. I'm at a stage in my life where actually now my life is what I'm building with my partner. And I'm actually to the next stage of my life where I'm thinking about when I and then one day having yeah. kids. Whereas I've been the kid my whole life. <laughs> and I feel like hearing that information suddenly made me grow into the next era of my yeah. life and accepting that that's what's going to happen. It wasn't that I was like, I need to now remind him every day I love him and all this stuff. It was like, actually, Amy, put the pedestal on. This is going to happen. This is nature of life. And you've got to build your own foundations now with you and your partner and do the best you can to make the effort. But now you're going to build your own family. Yeah. And it was not disconnection because that sounds negative, but it was it was a weirdly empowering feeling of time for me to set my foundations, wherever that may be. Which is funny, really. I think all, you know, almost all of us know that we'll live without a parent. Yeah. But I guess for you or for most people, it's not until the day you find out Dad's sick mm. that it clicks into gear and you're like okay right now yeah. like you said I need to start laying these foundations with the current partner but the only reason I sort of asked that previous question because I wondered I think a lot of parents I imagine or maybe just speaking personally I think a lot of parents will struggle to show vulnerability to their child mm. and I thought that perhaps through getting this sort of news maybe that's the first time where you see the vulnerability in a parent your dad sounds like someone who wears the heart and sleeve so much you probably saw it long before I think I saw it when I got out of the womb crying or remorse or mistakes sound like commonplace of him my dad is so vulnerable um, I think though no when he was younger and when I say his young I mean also my youth his vulnerability actually um, was a problem and he and it made him maybe a jealous and maybe a bit of an angry man whereas then when he just he, the older he's gotten felt more comfortable in his skin and feels that that approval maybe from the nation or the family whichever I, I'm not in his mind so I don't know what what it's taken but I've seen him through my lifetime get more comfortable in his own skin that then he's realized it's actually so powerful to be vulnerable mm. and that takes so much more strength than being tough on me because actually that's the easier reaction the hardest the harder reaction is crying being especially coming up from in Britain as Brits we're like oh, we stem from where our parents were brought up in a war grandparents in a war zone and you've got to get on with it there's no time to like sit around and feel sorry for yourself and we're still a product all of that mm. and so we as as very few families in the UK I know that are being brought up by parents that say sit and cry and yeah. let, actually let me hear you let me see what you've got to say and I, that's one thing that I think triggered one day I couldn't tell you when though like really triggered home for my dad and he's really put that well I'd say on my family no upon me because my brother is still as hard as yeah. they come <laughs> well I'm interested in that so the, the day that you got this news you said your reaction was like right I need to cry I need to talk I need to vent and you said, yeah, your mum's and brother's very different and more sort of matter-of-fact by the sounds of things and hardened yeah. and um, sort of systematic about it by the sounds of things. How, how was it that you did react? Did you go and call up 100 friends and cry? Or did you, you, know, did you try and speak to your mum and brother? Or was your dad the person that you could unload on? What was your no, immediate reaction my dad. The, when, you get the, when you got the news? I was at work. Yeah. And my mum in her beautiful manner decided to send us a text and that's how we found out oh, wow. which is so mum and that was the way the message was delivered to me and I was at work and I was like can't be true 
and I ran to the toilets and I actually remember just fell I just burst into tears and I was like no 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 no, it can't be it can't be it can't be it can't be and I was trying to call and they were like still in the hospital but it is what it is it's like it can't be and one of my friends came to the toilet and obviously found me and then work sent me home and I was going to India the next day for a month were you in England at this stage yeah I was and in your London. dad was in Spain yeah okay and I was going to India literally the following day for a month to do my yoga teacher training oh, course. God. And I was like, oh, what do I do? I might go. The first thing I thought was like, I'm obviously not going to India. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is buggered India. I've never been a yoga teacher. Thanks, Dad. I was like, that's my future, God. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I came home and I remember just... Um, it's so weird actually now because I haven't actually I haven't until this question tried to remember how, what I did or what I and actually I I realise I've blanked it yeah I don't think that's uncommon actually I think a lot of people say that because I actually couldn't tell you what I I, I know I and I've never thought about it um, I know how I reacted since but I, th- I honestly just think I've blacked it out um, I remember I got home and I didn't tell my friends um, mm-hmm. I obviously told my boyfriend um, and then my best friend Jamie was coming over and I asked him not to come and for some reason he just knew something was wrong so he showed up anyway yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um, and oh no I was hosting a dinner and he was coming and I remember saying I told him and I was like I don't I can't let everybody else know now but you need to know this and um, and then everybody else found out two days later not two days later that's a lie they found out I went to I did end up going to India and I didn't tell anyone and when I got back the it had gone out to press and then everyone else found out um, I don't I think almost like I really truly didn't believe it and I thought I was almost like giving that gap of a possibility of something of coming back and finding out that it was the wrong client <laughs> sorry it was the wrong patient yeah. it wasn't him and I think I almost did escape to India at that point um, and I then spent so much time on my own that I honestly was like, I felt like I'd found a safe space and I was quite scared to come back. And when I came back, it was when my dad had gone to press about it and then everyone else found yeah. out. You know what? A lot of people have said in this podcast that actually when they get the news that they, they want all of their friends to know, but they don't want to be the ones to tell them. You know, they mm. don't want to go, okay, right, I've got the news, start my contacts. A, Amy, Amy, my dad's sick. B, you know? Yeah. So actually press or not press at least you didn't have to be the ones to tell everyone i uh, well i actually funny enough you say that because i then told jamie and dom my two closest friends back home because i started realizing everyone was finding out through the press that then i didn't want my other close friends who might not have read it in the press to find out through the press so then i told them to tell them (laughs) right okay yeah because i was like can you just let them know like i haven't told people because i didn't want them to find out but it's already gone out to press so i'm sorry but whatever i'm not going to be the one to tell them so i did do that because um but that was because I just didn't want them to be like, what the hell? I'm like reading on BBC Sports that this man yeah. has cancer and it's my close That's friend's right, yeah. uh, dad. How come she's not told us? And then the thing is then you've, because what happens really weirdly enough is then you feel like you have to justify why you've not told them. Yeah. And you're like, suddenly I'm being like, and they're like I can't believe you didn't tell me. And you're like, 
Mate, I haven't even triggered the information. But has en- like, did anyone actually ever say that to you? Or was that just in your head what you're thinking your best friend um, is thinking? I think I was really worried that that was going to happen. I'm not yeah. sure if anyone actually did say that to me. Only because if, oh yeah, from an, like, I can't imagine anyone actually saying that. You know, it's such a sensitive yeah. thing. You're like, you no, deal with it however you got to deal say, with it. People do go and say, like, you know, you can come to me about everything. And you're like, yeah, I, I know that, but I'll come to you. And, there's, and it gets to a point where sometimes, like, it's nice that you want the reassurance of that. But it's almost like people really want you to feel they can go to you. But then I'll kind of almost, without meaning to, enforcing that they come to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, the last thing you want to do is you just don't want to talk life moves on like mm-hmm. and you've just got to keep getting on with it and I think especially towards the beginning stage of it you're so numb and you haven't worked out it's taken me I still don't even necessarily know how I feel about it now like and I've actually I feel like luckily because of my dad's attitude we really have taken it by yeah. the reins and had such a laugh about it all and really taken positivity out of it so then the last thing sometimes you want to do is have people come up to you and and go how 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 are you doing yeah. and all the stuff because then you're like oh shit am I supposed to be being upset about it am I actually and sometimes I feel like we're being twisted almost because we're laughing so much about it my dad had got awarded like the cancer foundation an award for his public speaking and trying to like veto cancer being a negative word let's be open and talk about it so much so he got an award about it and he got up and he was like i'm thanking my cancer for this award thanks for looking, like thrusting yourself upon my life and like you know and i've just gone i love that way and that's the way yeah. i'm gonna do deal with it but because it's so uncommon and I didn't realize how uncommon it was until people coming up being like, but how are you doing about exactly. it? Exactly. So you're um, living in this sort of positive bubble with the family. Yeah. And actually the negativity is coming from outside, from yeah. doting friends <laughs> and people thinking they're doing the right thing. That's yeah. interesting though. But I guess I want to talk about this positive energy for a bit because I've got no doubt that you are, like, I'm sure if I asked all of your friends to describe you in one or two words, it would be bubbly, positive energy, one of those, right? <laughs> and I've got no doubt they must have helped you in all walks of life. Um, and what I want to know is, is how much of the way you've approached your dad's sickness with this positivity has come from the way you are or the way that he's approached it? You know, because he is laughing the in the face of it, it and drinking and partying. The way he has, no doubt about it. I'm such an emotional wreck. <laughs> My energy is basically like, I can be... <laughs> the happiest person but I'm also because I wear my heart on my sleeve I'm so so sensitive and when I heard I was just like oh my god and I I then have moments where like when I've gone my dad um I went back to Madrid last summer for a big stint because I thought I had to be back home with my dad and I was like okay but let's be serious about this dad like like I and almost I sometimes then find myself doing exactly what I've just said about my friends doing to me me doing to my dad yeah, yeah. going like okay but let's be serious about this dad he's like I am fucking serious Amy mm. I'm like but you do need me back I, I'll hold your hand all this time and he's like no like and so I think he's been the real like crutch of everything for he reminds me to be doing that and I think because it's been constant I've really then taken it on board. But I have, I, I mean, 
like probably the only person that knows deep inside like that there's moments that I have like my little breakdowns are definitely yeah. my partner Ollie mm-hmm. like um no I don't want an S sometimes I've called my best friends back home but like I live on the other side of the world the last thing I'm going to do is call up my friends to just let them know how miserable I am yeah. like you know they want to hear how I'm having the best time in Australia same with my parents yeah but that isn't necessarily right I feel that pressure on myself as well I feel like I'm I'm a happy guy I should only call up my friends when I'm happy yeah. they don't want to hear about me having a bad day which is actually there's no way you know your friends would be thrilled if they if you call them having a bad day it's like cool yeah I always think if you call someone having a bad day then they feel like okay Amy someone I can call and I have a bad day you yeah. know now it's a two-way thing yeah so actually that idea that they don't want to hear me when I'm sad is is, is bollocks you know they yeah. would be thrilled to hear from you when you're sad because it normalizes you and and gives them um credit like of oh, course she really values our friendship that she can have low moments with me you know yeah i think like i've sadly i think i've done it twice but i've been very pissed <laughs> yeah, wrong maybe with that. a couple of wines <laughs> like, oh my god mate why didn't you live out here in, in sydney <laughs> i'm so far away <laughs> but it's an interesting point actually the idea of you moving to sydney because i think your dad's approach to it i think would come as a surprise to so many parents you know your dad gets very sick and you move to Sydney and your dad's like go like do not stay here yeah. and just feel like you have to dote on me go to the other side of the world live it and love it mm. and I think that's amazing like, how, how did that conversation come about I was already planning to move we had booked our flights visas everything I was going to India coming back for two weeks for Christmas and then we were moving out so I was like, this is really shit timing news. <laughs> I was like, right, so what do we do now? And um, and my dad was like, my parents were like, you know, well, at this point it was stage two when we've moved down. They're like, you know, and my dad was like, I'm really going to be healed. Like, there's no doubt about it. I'm absolutely going to be healed. And, um, and we really did believe that. And then when I moved out here in March, stage four, um, and we found out stage four while I was here so I went up oh, okay I'm going back I'm going back and I did go back for a two months stint um, maybe going on three in July because I had to work it out for myself if I, even though my parents were like you're going you're going I there was just something in me that just felt I, I felt I felt wrong I was like I'm not being a true family member I'm like you know right. I'm my dad's unwell who am I to be living on the other side of the world when this is happening so when I went back, I realised Dad was still living his life the way he always has. And um, he turned around to me, he's like, you're going to realise that I've... He's like, I, I'm never... My dad's never slowed down. He's got his radio show, he's got his documentaries, he's uh, commentating football. Like, he's also then maybe sometimes the face of brands. Like, my dad is never still. Mm-hmm. So well, Mike, he was like, what are you going to do? Come back and then find I'm not at home. He's like, I left home when I was 14. I went to boarding school in England when I was 14. I went to uni. So I've not been home for a very, very long time. I've never, I haven't lived in the same place as my parents since I was 14. So my dad is like, you're going to come home and realise I'm not around. Mm. Uh, we're going to catch up just as much over the phone if you are here or if you're in Sydney. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> so 
And like he was saying it, like not in a harsh way, but he was like, I'm going to still live my life. Like the people, like you guys will think that I'm on. Well, I don't. So why am I going to change my life? And the truth is he's like, he still claims he's never worked actually a day in his life. He's been paid to have a ball. Like he's a kid in a playing ground. Mm -hmm. The world for him is his, literally his playground. And he's had the most fun playing. So he's like, I'm not stopping now. I've, and actually, the day he stops, that's when I go home. Because yeah, <laughs> I realise the man's actually <laughs> having to slow down. <laughs> Do you think it's been easier or harder for you to not be with him every day, living that sickness with him? Like, has it been easier you being the other side of the world or has yeah. that been much tougher? No, a lot easier. A lot easier. I think also, like, referencing that um, chap who hugged us in <laughs> London, that happens to my brother and my mum a lot. And I, me being as sensitive as I am, I would break down with every hug. Right, <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, no, it's nice being somewhere that no one knows him and very far away. You do, I do feel removed from it. And, there's, and because when I call up my dad and he's telling me about these stories, these, these crazy stories that he's been up to, I do have moments where I genuinely forget. <laughs> and um, I think if I was there, because press and people, there's, just, there's something about humans that we like to talk about miserable things. Yeah. And we get a kick out of it, especially, and maybe it's because the press is always so negative. So I, fe- I feel if I was home, I'd have that reminder every day, whereas here I don't. Mm. You spoke about earlier about the day you got it not knowing whether or not you're allowed to be sad about it. Do you, do you feel as if you have already grieved him during the last year and a half? Or do you feel like you've just felt sad about it for a year and a half and the grieving will happen, you know, if things take mm. a, a bad turn? I feel I've had, I feel I'm more accepting as to if the moment comes that I don't want. Yeah. I feel like I've, I've really worked on on myself on that mindset because I think I have I have grieved a lot and I think because I've had as you know when you're talking you have these negative thoughts where you go what the hell am I thinking I've had thoughts where I go what if I find out that he's literally got 24 hours left and I'm not even I'm a 30 hour flight away I've missed him I've missed him by the time I've gone home and I've that's how I remember and I've had moments of that where I've played horrible tricks on myself so I have and when I have those thoughts because I'm so sensitive I do just erupt with tears Uh, so I've had moments where I'm grieving but I think when when this very special lady said to me like you're allowed to mourn a loss that hasn't happened yet Mm. I then suddenly for some reason she gave me a rite of passage to believe that it could happen yeah and because you feel sick to think it's happening because you're like why he's alive why am i doing this why am i tormenting myself he's alive he's with us now and like appreciate that moment but i think also like being allowed to think okay but he actually for a fact we know he's not going to be around forever mm-hmm. like i'm not we all none of us are so that's stage one acceptance then accepting also like well maybe it's not going to go the way we want and being she's she's not she wasn't god or anything but she gave me the rite of passage to believe that he's not going to be around at some point so i began to grieve that because how long am i going to be in sydney i don't know and will by being here am i missing years of that life maybe and i have to i can't torment myself the entire time i've got to move on with it and deal with that emotion so I think I've started to grieve it. 
but it's but it's ha grieving happening with acceptance as well mm. which I feel like I mean who knows I guess no one can ever tell you how you feel when until the moment comes but I'm sure when the moment comes it's going to be a whole other level of grieving but I'm accepting that I know he's not going to be around forever yeah have you allowed yourself to have a conversation with him or with your brother yeah. and mum about what what do we do if he doesn't make it you know have you no. ever gone there or was it like nah, we're not <coughs> going to even discuss that we're gonna no my mum my mum's better at these sort of conversations um um but no my dad's someone who who he runs away from anything that's negative yeah to the point like to his detriment like if you go okay well let's talk about it no let's not let's not dad will know I, sometimes even if i have to go and bitch to him about my mum he'll be like oh right he just that's it. like he just won't respond to anything negative yeah. and it's it's amazing like i just don't know how he does it i'll like say something to him and so i also i don't want i don't even know if i could i, I wouldn't ever be able to bring it up to my brother he's someone who is just so um he's just so black and white sometimes and I'm just I live in this big pool of grey middle <laughs> I'm a little bit of shit. there's nothing grey about you you're something <laughs> rainbowy in the middle of that <laughs> there's just lots of colours yeah. in my area and whether it's good or bad whereas it's like it's a yes or a no or like yes it is happening so we've got to move on with it there's no point in dwelling about it so we've got to get on with it but what happens if he goes well Amy we've just got to move on Yeah, yeah. and like I, I find that that approach aggressive and I don't want to think that way. I'm like, I want to, I want to chat about it. I want to, mm. and that's, that I, I know he wouldn't mean it aggressively, but for me, if I take it as a form of aggression and I just, so I'm like, I don't want to open that topic because I actually find it more hurtful. Yeah. Um, and that's when you just realize, and at the beginning I was like, I'm the same with my mom. I'm like, sometimes like, she'll say stuff like, she's like, Amy, like you're, you're not accepting that like actually he's going. I'm like, but mom, we don't know that yet. So like, you actually find we are all three so close to it. It doesn't take much to take, like just snap at yeah. the other person. And I know it's, we are, we've all been very strong together. But I think by the way that we all each individually have handled it so differently, that when it comes to being open about it, we realize when we're handling it so differently and we don't understand the other person's way. Yeah, yeah, so you clash sometimes. Mm. So I've kind of steered away from it, to be honest, but I'm sure a time will come when we have to. <laughs> True. Well, over the course of doing these podcasts, I've interviewed some people who have lost their parents very suddenly and some who's been after a sort of long illness. I've inevitably thought, oh, which, which is... Mm less awful you know i think fundamentally they're both equally awful because the end product is is the same mm. what have you found to be the trickiest parts or the parts that you're most grateful of of sort of knowing for a long time our dad is sick you know like mm. like you said the day you found out he was sick was the day you realized oh my god he's not gonna be around at mm. some point yeah we what what have you found hard and what have you found that you're grateful for I'm so grateful for like when we when we spoke um, earlier about even though even though to the the worst day of my life was not the day we found out the worst day of my life was when press came out to press right, yeah. that was the worst day of my life 
ironically, my worst day of my life has been my dad's best day of his life. You got all the And so, God, <laughs> so like he and and I'm so glad. And like that's like what I said earlier that he has now officially like realised the imprint he's left on people, and and. I know because everyone has many times told me like your dad's a hero, your dad's hilarious, your dad's amazing and all this stuff. Like I know what people think of my dad. But I think you know, I think my dad thinks that sometimes it's just sucky up fans. Right. He's actually realized like he and what a way to find out and if you were to go like what a way like that you've officially known that. If my dad were to go suddenly, he might not have known that in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I think him has seeing that level of love from an entire nation has been beautiful and that's something I'm so grateful for yeah. because he deserves it and he really truly does deserve it so that's why I'm incredibly grateful for um, I don't think and I don't know if it's because we've just been constantly being very positive about it I don't think there's anything I'm ungrateful for other than the fact that this is taking place but, mm. um, but if he was going to just suddenly go I'm I'm glad it's happened this way yeah. because he's also he's felt empowered by it and um, and you know he's suddenly realised that he actually can choose to live the life that he wants to do and he's just suddenly realised everyone around him adores him so I think I'm actually more than anything I'm just very grateful. Mm. That's good to hear. Now, this podcast is not so much an insight into grief itself is more of a resource for anyone looking to help someone deal with the loss of a parent um the reason i usually start each episode with asking questions about grief itself is not only because these conversations don't happen often enough but more importantly it's it's easier to help someone through grief i believe if you understand how it is that they grieve so for example in this your case you live in a bubble of positivity so there's no good your friends coming in and being Mm. negative or depressed or I hope you, you know I hope you're coping okay or call me if yeah. you have downtime um, but h- how is it you said uh, the day that you found out or the, the press found out your friends flooded in with with texts how have you found generally that your your friends have treated the whole the whole situation you know and has it been your best friends that have reacted the best or have there been people that have come out the woodwork like you said weird ex-boyfriends <laughs> who have surprised you by being supportive or, or brilliant in their own way um I funny enough I like as in my, I've I've got a beautiful network of friends um in London we've got a little group that's for me are my my everythings and they've been amazing like they'll show up on my doorstep and you know whether I want them or not and they're gonna come and either give me a glass of wine or a cup of tea and we're gonna be there for you and they do remind me that like no matter what they're they're around and I know that but I think people I think it's really it's such a hard topic and some people have I think some people feel so uncomfortable about it that they because they don't know whether I want to talk about it or yeah. not, so they go like, "Oh, and 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 uh, how's everything? Your family, your life, and you know your, your dad and uh, work, and like because they, they want to know about it, but they touch over yeah. it, so to see if I want to talk about it or not." And how should they approach it? Would you appreciate it if somebody started a conversation with you by saying, 
do you want to talk about it or should we talk about anything else can you be as direct as that or is it this I'm always, gay, this direct. role play of oh, as a family you know yeah no, I, I'm, I love I love anyone direct I'm yeah. always but that's me that's because again I wear my heart on my sleeve and also I, I am a direct person I'll be like no nah, don't fancy chatting about it yeah, today yeah. Um, but as you know I'm a talker so <laughs> I, I'm very happy to talk about it uh, I'm not I'm not someone that I'm going to go and sit and talk about it to a point of... I, I'm not going to sit with my friends and say, like, do you know what? Like, he's not coming. He's like, he's not going to be around forever. That's not what we're going to talk about. I, I love talking about it. Because I feel like my dad's an example is, is an example of what so much can be led by. And, like, he's empowered me by the way he's approached it. And I think watching him has made me realize the, the how much our mental state plays an impact on the way we choose to live our life and the way we see life and that's something that I want to share with everyone mm. I'm like look how well he's doing look what he's doing let's all lead by example and actually like I'm not I'm I'm a very healthy being and I actually have chosen to live the way he wants to so I want to talk about those things yeah. I want to talk to my friends and go look this is what we're all doing and like funny enough at work this girl there's this girl at work who was like talking about how shit everything was and all the stuff and she didn't know i was getting the news about this mm. and um one of my one of the girls at work said by the way i know you i knew you were getting your the results today what's happened i was like oh, he's plus past flying colors the mm. man's absolutely fine and she was like oh my god you like me just realizing that i didn't realize i was sitting here feeling really sorry for myself yeah. and you were there waiting for that news and i had no idea and it's like some people and i'm not saying like she shouldn't be in that way everyone's going to be choose to live the way they want to but you do just realize that like people enjoy kind of feeling sorry for themselves and people mm -hmm. like to be in a down estate and we're just by natural we're naturally negative people so i think just watching that has really kind of like it's almost like he's injected positivity into me and that's what i want to chat about with my yeah. friends i don't want to chat about the loss element of it True. And I don't know if that's denial. Maybe it is. Maybe secretly it is denial. But um, I just, I'm just so proud of him. I think a lot of people's first reaction when they hear friends lost uh, or either lost a parent or is experiencing, you know, their parents got very sick, is to send a text saying, "I love you. I'm here if you need me. Just call me whenever." Um, which I'm sure, yeah, like you said, you've, you've received lots of, and I've definitely sent that text. And I, I'm spoken to people previously on this podcast that say, actually, saying, call me whenever you need me, yeah. is, is sweet, but sort of useless. Yeah, because it really is. you don't want to be in a position where you need to be active, like making a plan. So actually, it'd be better if a friend was like, right, Amy, I've got us two tickets to the cinema tonight. We're going to go to a bar beforehand. Yes or no? Yeah. It's true, and I completely agree with that. I think, I think I've had definitely some friends that have either forgotten, which is quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like chatting, being like, "Oh yeah, like just waiting to see about dad and all the stuff." And they're like, "Oh, what, what's wrong with him?" I'm like, "You definitely know he's stage four cancer." Remember the massive clangor? Like, yeah, I'm like, okay. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean that in a mean way, but I, so I find that sometimes a little bit like, whoa. Mm. Um, but I have had um, people's like, it almost sometimes it's such a like samey same text. Yeah. And I feel like 
sometimes people say it to sound good but you actually know if you call them they won't really be there (laughs) or like coincidentally they might be a bit busy and I I do agree I think like sending that text is just I think it is you just gotta have the action like I feel like now having gone through it myself like if it were to be me and a friend I would do like what my mate Jamie did just show up like and I know that sounds like and I, I guess obviously we have a relationship where we have the confidence that I could also slam the door in his face <laughs> but it is taking that action of being like okay where are you I'm gonna come meet you we're gonna have a coffee we're gonna go for a stroll yeah and like that's also like what my other mate Dom like that's what he did he said uh, he was at work he said I'm gonna meet you at the coffee shop on the King's Road at Gales and we're gonna go for a walk around the park and it was exactly what I needed yeah. and I didn't realize how much I needed it because I just needed to be out stores it was raining of course because in London and I was just like what the hell have I just been told? What, what am I, how am I going to move on from this? And and it's not because you actually want someone's words. You, by talking it out loud, you're starting to, it's making you think about how you feel. Yeah. And you just need, you don't need them to say anything. You just need them to stand and listen to you while you figure out what you're saying. Because I, I, I was just chatting and I didn't know actually what the hell was coming out of my mouth. I was like, what the hell and stuff and by talking more and more you were like okay I think I'm starting to understand a little bit of how I'm thinking how I'm feeling because nobody knows what to say but actually just holding a coffee giving you a hug buying you a croissant magic (laughs) and it is show it's them showing up to your life it's and I think we live behind our phones so much the last thing I need is another text or a Facebook message like absolutely not it's not and yeah so yeah I think it's showing up that's how you true you truly show you're there because mm-hmm. how many how many Facebook messages and Instagrams do you get a day? Yeah. That's just one of thousands. Like what thousands I'm gonna have for One or two <laughs> notifications of some event that I'm not invited to. <laughs> the odd the odd message. So actually someone like and I think actually that's what we need to do more anyway as a society is have human connections so when you suddenly when someone's like thrusted it upon you to have that human connection to give you a hug you actually don't realize how much you value it until it's there god makes me wonder so for me I think if it it was happened to one of my best best friends I was in a position I could turn up at their front door then I would but if it's a friend of a friend or, you know, a friend that's in your circle of friends but not your closest friend and you find out this news about their parent. Are you better off not sending the text and just talking about it next time you see them at some sort of social gathering? Because the text I is... I think it depends how close you are with them because, and I don't mean this to in a harsh way, some of the people that are, like, friends, but, like, connections, yeah. let's say, when, they were, when everyone was texting me, I was like, oh, okay, thanks. But it was yeah. just... And I feel really harsh saying that. But like we're not that we're not that close. Like I appreciate that you're sorry for me, but I I then I had to relive the sadness all over again. So mm-hmm. I kind of a little bit was like I know it's sweet and you mean well, but, but I, I did I did just leave it. Like, yeah, like when if if then suddenly I saw them at a party and they grabbed me and they're like, mate, look, I heard. I am truly really sorry. Here, if you need me. Like I, that, I'd be like, thanks. Like, yeah, okay. Whereas when I was getting a text, it was just like, it was just one of many. Mm-hmm. That I was like, okay, thanks. I'll let you know. <laughs> I was going to say, has there, there been any, and you've sort of answered the question, but if anything else pops into mind, has there been anything or one particular thing that really, really helped or really, really didn't help? 
in terms of the way that friends or, or family have, have responded to it to you? For me, being so black and white just doesn't help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think... I think, as I said, like, yeah, as I said, the people just, because there was such a, an immediate effect of like, they suddenly just dropped their plans then and there and showed up to mm. be there for me in that moment. And I think like, I knew they were going to come, but it was so instant. It was like, suddenly nothing else was so urgent. And this was the, and it, you know, you just start, it made me suddenly feel like I was such a priority of their life. That made me go like, oh, it was so, that, that really, something everything out and I, I know like obviously life goes on so you can't go and tell everyone to just suddenly like <laughs> stop living their lives yeah. and be there for that person yeah. absolutely not but I think if it's your nearest and dearest and you're in a position where you can bloody hell that I wouldn't have been able to move forward with that information had that um, situation not happened because um, I really didn't know how to handle it um, but I think well I <laughs> Again, for me, what didn't help was the press information. And I think, yeah. unfortunately, press are horrible humans. And reading titles in the sun of my dad has 37% chance of living. Mm, I was yeah. like, wow, you're such awful humans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just suddenly realize people behind a desk that are just trying to make papers have no realization that there's a human being and a family on the other side of that. So I think it just kind of is also a little bit of a reminder again, when you're behind the phone and when you're behind a screen, because that's what we live in, we're so disconnected from that individual on the other side of it, that you do even as a reciprocant feel that disconnection. So um, people just sometimes don't realize even what they're saying because, and when things also get sent by message, you only read it the way that you're in the mental state. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when sometimes you're reading something, I'll be like, well, that's harsh. They're like, oh, I don't mean it that way. Yeah. But it's because I was in a negative oh, headspace. How many relationships have argued <laughs> over texts that have read the wrong way? Exactly. <laughs> but I guess, yeah, we spoke about this briefly before, um, which is that I guess the, the tricky thing about, about this from a friend's point of view is almost all friends don't know how to react when their friend loses a parent. Mm. You haven't lost your parent, so okay, oh God, Amy's dad's sick. Knowing how to react to that, you think, is that different? Are there different rules? Is it the same rules? Yeah. Are react the same? And I guess what it sounds like is actually it's, it's the same in terms of they need as much support and love as they can get irrelevant if they if they're dead or if they're yeah. sick it's it is the same rules would you say that's true or not funnily enough my um my best friend lost her dad when we were very young and she said no one was there through the process of the grieving when, right. when they were going mm -hmm. but then when they when he was gone everyone showed up on. and she was like the hardest bit was watching him go I'm relieved he's now gone because actually he's happy and he's in a better place now. But the grief of watching him go was the hardest yeah. bit. And she was like, but no one was around then. But everyone then turned up. And she kind of, and I remember her at the funeral her turning around and she was like, where were they all before? And, and I think that really like, that really hit home. So I think agree like and I and then I then reflect back on that of hearing when my when this person said to me you're mourning a loss that hasn't happened 
it's true because she, yeah. that she and that's why she was like like you know he, he just passed away and obviously she was devastated she was so relieved yeah and you know if that happens that if that happens with my dad which god forbid um, I, I really truly but don't believe it will but let's say if it did it's true the hardest bit is actually the process because you're in this middle land and like you know it was awful especially for Sissy my best friend she was every single day not knowing if he was going to get to the next so she was in this like limbo land of like when do I cry and let go because it was every single day that she thought the next day was going to happen and she was like and she was almost was like suffocating because she was like I don't know what to do I'm every single day not knowing if he's going to live to the next so that's why she was relieved when then he'd gone and um and that's when then everyone showed up. So it's interesting, I think, if there was like any advice of, from that, and I guess a little bit like what I'm going through, but I don't, I'm not going I, nowhere near to the scale of what my best friend went through. It is true that actually mourning and being there while they're still around yeah. is, it is a stage, it is a thing. Um, the people don't know how to handle it because they're still around. Yeah. <laughs> And then also, you know, people don't want to speak as though like he's going when because some people are just like, oh, I remember someone said to me like, oh, it happens to the best of us. They always take the best of us. So that they ain't taken him. What are you talking? I was like, well, that's one thing. Do not say say that. Don't say that. (laughs) They're like, oh, they always take the best of them. I was like, he's still around. So it's like a really fine line of like, don't speak as though he's already gone. But then also respect that, you know, we appreciate like as an having that balance of it's, it's such a hard one to struggle with but I think the biggest thing that probably I didn't think about until having this conversation now it is actually just having that human interaction where yeah. you're actually sitting down and you're like obviously a call is really nice but when you're with someone even just as simple as like someone being really quiet but they hold your hand yeah. because they don't talk but you're feeling that actual support and you're like someone's holding me I'm good I'm fine because there have been times where actually I'm like I don't know what to say but I want to think about it <laughs> so can you hug me but not talk <laughs> yeah that makes perfect sense and because that's you're feeling that level of support but because there's nothing anyone can say unfortunately because every every person deals with grief in their own way but if you can show up for people's lives I think that's the best thing you can do yeah I think that's great advice. I think that is that is the standout thing. I think people are always big on giving advice when you go through something like this or, or a breakup, everyone chips in with their sixpence of like yeah. <laughs> how you should react and what yeah. it's like. And I remember that the only bit of advice that I ever got given, mine was a breakup, was incomparable, but the only good yeah. bit of advice I ever got given was the truth is there's, there's nothing that I can say. There's nothing I can say to make you feel better. But if you've experienced it, at least you know that. And that you can say that to your kids who have their heart broken or your best friend. And you can go, you know what? There's nothing I can say, but I've been there and it sucks. Yeah, exactly. And I'm here. You're like, exactly. it's going to be rough. Bring <laughs> yeah. it on. Let's do it together. You know? Exactly. And I think also knowing like, no matter what shit happens to you in life, because we all 
get it. We all have it. Every and that's another thing I've learned around all of this is that I, especially at the beginning, I was like, why is everyone not turning up for me and all the stuff and blah blah blah. And I was like, Amy, everyone's grieving in one way or another. We all have a level of grief, one way or another. Mm-hmm. And um, and oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a point, but I've completely mm. lost it now. Oh, yeah. That's, you start realising that you're always going to come back from life. You're going to always come up, back up again. Like, that is just... That, and you've got to pick yourself back up. Yeah. And it's like, actually, yeah, okay, this is shit. Yeah, yeah I am down. And yeah, it sucks. But life continues, and I am going to come up from it. One day, this is going to be a memory. And that kind of realisation of, like how life is just a big wave there's ups and downs and ups and downs and at the moment we're in a down but we'll come back up again yeah. and like that's what my friend who's going through a breakup now like we actually funnily enough that you mentioned a breakup because she's come she's at the moment grieving her loss of a <laughs> boyfriend who she's been with for eight years and we're on the phone and we're both talking about the grief that we're going through and she's like I can't believe I'm having this conversation with you Amy like you're, you're, you're like <laughs> yeah. you're talking about your dad dying and here I am talking about because I've lost Dan and stuff yeah, and I'm yeah. just like a baby. honestly I actually see the correlation because actually I'm not I know it's totally different but I'm saying that this at one point you are going through heartache and you're having to heal yourself and you're having to move forward from it and actually like that's and we're doing it together and funnily enough that we now like we've now Skype, uh, Skype we FaceTime on our way to work when I go to work and she's coming back yeah, she's in Amsterdam yeah. and we talk about like what we've maybe spoke about with our therapist and all this stuff and mm-hmm. it's actually like and it's not that I'm talking about like my dad and that going through but just actually like how you just start to build your pieces back up because yeah. also everyone's like I just want to feel best I want to feel amazing again tomorrow and it's like actually no I'm just going to feel a tiny bit better tomorrow yeah. and the next day I'm going to feel a tiny bit better again maybe then I'm going to have to take, take a step back but then the next day I'll be and it's just having patience that you'll come back up from it yeah. and that's been a real learning curve it's just again it's just as your friend said, it's okay to not be okay. You're actually in the shit. You mm. are in the shit. Let yourself be in the shit. It's going to get better. Promise. And that's the only thing you can promise someone. <laughs> that is yeah. the perfect place to end this. I think with a positive <laughs> promise to be better tomorrow and take yeah. yourself as it comes. Well, thank you so, so much. Thank you. It's been a joy talking to you, as always, from this beautiful rooftop. As the thunder no, cracks, yeah. <laughs> it could be a rainstorm, which is good for the bushfires. Uh, thank you so much. It's, been, it's been awesome.